Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. One of the terms that sometimes is, well, oftentimes, I guess, is thrown around during this time of the year is the word hope. Hope. Uh, I imagine that young man in that song, he had hope that his mama would like those shoes. He also had a hope that his mama would one day see Jesus. It may have been that night or whenever it would be, but uh, there's hope there. The title of the message this morning is this, Hope Foretold. Hope foretold. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. If you would, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. The Bible says this in verse 26, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to the man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father God, we bow before you now. Lord, as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear from you this morning, again, Lord, I pray that it be your words and not mine. Father, I'll only be your messenger. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this passage this morning, Lord, that we see hope. There is hope. There is hope. Father, not just this time of year, but hope always. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. It seems that the prevailing thought, when most people are asked about that word hope, when most people think of hope, might be what is called wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking says this, I hope Georgia wins the national championship. 
Now, okay, now let, let me let me set that aside, and I'll I don't want to be biased here. I don't want to be. I'll say the same thing for Kentucky. Hope says, or wishful thinking says, I hope that Kentucky wins the national champion. Not in football, of course, but in basketball. Or I hope it uh, does not rain today so that I can get my grass cut. Or I hope uh, that I'm able to go to the the mall today or whatever it might be. But this type of hope is just wishful thinking. This type of hope is a hope so hope. And the main problem with this type of hope is that it is not biblical. This type of hope, this wishful thinking, this hope so hope is not a biblical type of hope. Biblical hope, church, is a no so hope. The definition of biblical hope is that confident expectation. In other words, I'm confident that this is going to happen. I'm confident in the things that I hope for. Biblical hope is the foundational component of the life of those who are righteous. Those of us who are Christians, our lives should be filled with that confident expectation. It doesn't rest in our favorite football team. It doesn't rest in our family. It doesn't rest in our friends. And it doesn't even rest in our church. Our confident expectation rests in God. That's where we rest our hope. That's where we get our confident expectation. We have this biblical hope because we have that confident expectation. Not in ourselves, not in anything around us, but in only the Lord. And we know that the Lord is faithful. We know that God will honor His promises. So this morning, we see a picture of that biblical hope. We see a picture of true biblical hope. The passage here, it foretells the birth of Jesus. It foretells the birth of the Savior. It's seen from the perspective of Mary as you walk through this passage, the mother of Jesus. Mary, we know, as she's visited by an angel of the Lord. The angel tells her, Mary, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. But not just any child. Not just an ordinary child. This is an incredible story of hope. A hope that only God can provide. So the point this morning is this. The hope foretold to Mary by the angel of the Lord offered a hope that only God could provide. And so for us, Christ, the hope foretold offers us a hope that only God can provide. So this morning I wonder, are you feeling insignificant? Are you uncertain about things? This morning, do you feel like the things that you're going through are impossible? The trials that you're facing are impossible. Well, I can assure you this morning that they're not. Because we have confident expectation in the one who can overcome our insignificance. The one who can overcome our uncertainty. And the one who can overcome the impossible. And that is Jesus Christ himself. So let's look at three truths this morning that Christ offers in this hope. Number one is this. Christ offers hope to the insignificant. Christ offers hope to the insignificant. Look at verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Here we see this angel, this angel Gabriel. An angel is simply a messenger from the Lord. The the, the angel came to deliver a message to a young girl named Mary. 
Now this is the second prophecy. Zechariah, the angel Gabriel, you'll notice back in the other parts of chapter 1, he came to Zechariah, the priest. He came to Zechariah, the priest at the temple to give him his message about the Elizabeth, his wife, who would give birth to John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Now you might think, okay, oh, I understand an angel coming to a priest or an angel coming to the temple and giving the priest uh, a, a message, a prophetic message, a message from God. That would make sense. But an angel coming to a woman named Mary, a virgin named Mary, and to a city called Nazareth. We may not see that. We may understand that that might be insignificant in our grand scheme of things in our eyes. In fact, Nazareth of Galilee is just a small backwater town with a bad reputation. If you remember when Philip found Nathaniel, what did Nathaniel say about Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, indeed, things can come from Nazareth that are good. So we see even the the city itself was insignificant in the grand scheme of things, in, in, in our worldly thinking. So why would this angel, why would a messenger of God visit this virgin Mary? What was so significant about Mary? Well, from a human perspective, Mary would be as, uh, as ordinary as apple pie. There was nothing significant about Mary. In fact, she was a young woman. Mary at this time was probably 15 to 16 years old. She was as ordinary as any other 15 and 16 year old here or even, even then. She was a virgin. That means simply she had not been intimate with a man. I'm sure she was not the only virgin there in the region of Galilee. So just her, uh, her her being a virgin, that didn't make her any significance, uh, didn't speak to her significance. She was betrothed. That means that she was legally engaged. Now this is, this is stronger than our engagement uh, today. This engagement could not be broken except by divorce or sexual immorality. When you think about Joseph, that's exactly what Joseph thought about Mary when he found out that she was pregnant. That she had been sexually immoral. So Mary was young. Which many of the women there in that day would have been. Mary was a virgin. Which was probably normal. For many of the other women there. So there was no sin. She was betrothed. This was a normal practice. So there was no significance. For Mary in those three things. And Mary was a sinner. Mary was a sinner in need of a savior. And do you know that the very baby that Mary would soon conceive and deliver would be her Savior? The very baby. But Mary was insignificant. She was insignificant in the eyes of of most of us. She was insignificant in the eyes of many that were there that day. So from a human perspective, we see that she was ordinary. She was normal. And many of us can see the same things. There's nothing significant about us. We're, we're all basically insignificant in the eyes of the world. We've not done anything special. We're not, we're not great and grand or powerful or any of those other things. Mary was probably just like 
hundreds, if not thousands, of the women living in that region at that time. So why Mary? Why Mary? We think God can't use us. Oftentimes we sit around having those pity parties. Oh, I'm too old to be used by God. Oh, I'm too young to be used by God. Oh, I've got these infirmities that God can't use. I'm broken. My life is all out of sorts. My life is messed up. I come from a bad family. I come from a bad location. But can I tell you this? Those are the folks that God can use and He can use to the glory of His kingdom. Why do you think God talked about, or Jesus talked about the poor? He talked about we got to enter the kingdom of God as what? Children. As children. That's why He said it was so difficult for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eagle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because he relies on his riches. He relies on his prestige. He relies on his power. But we need to rely on our insignificance. Listen, it's okay. It's okay when the world sees you and the world sees you as just an insignificant. Let's just use the illustration of the gnats that we face here in Georgia. We're all just insignificant little gnats. Everybody's just trying to beat us away, shoo us away. But we can be used by God in mighty ways. So from a human perspective, Mary was insignificant. But let's look at the perspective of God. Look at verse 21. The Lord, the angel says this, and he came to her and said this, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary was favored by God. One, one favored, it means divine favor. It literally means this, much grace. Much grace. That's an unmerited favor. This insignificant 15 or 16 year old virgin received the individual grace of God that God bestowed upon her. Mary is chosen To be the mother of the Savior. Mary is chosen not because of who Mary was. Not because of where Mary was from. Not because of what Mary did. Not because of who Mary's family was. Mary was chosen to carry the Son of God because of God's grace. We're not chosen because who we are. We're not chosen because of how old we are. We're not chosen because of how powerful we are. We're chosen because God has sent His grace upon us, His unmerited favor, and He's given that to us. And in return, we're to to do what He asked us to do. We're to be a, a part of His kingdom. We're to do what He wants us to do and go through His plans and His purposes. It had nothing to do with who Mary was, but it had everything to do with who God was. Mary was favored Because of God. And when we think about that, that should be an encouragement to each and every one of us. We're not favored because who we are. We're favored because who God is and the grace that God has bestowed upon us. What did you do for your salvation? Nothing. Nothing. We did nothing for our salvation. Jesus did everything. So that is bestowed upon us. 
It's on all believers. That was bestowed on all believers. Paul says that and makes that clear in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. He writes this, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. We all have that grace bestowed upon us. It has nothing to do with who we are. Not only was Mary favored by God, but it says the Lord was with her. The same Lord, church, let me remind you of this. The same Lord that was with Mary is with all believers. If you are a child of God, the same God that was with Mary is the same God that is with me and with you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said this. Y'all know this passage. And behold, what does he say? With you always to the end of the age. God has bestowed his grace upon me to shepherd Southside Baptist Church. Listen, it's not because of my family. It's not because of my abilities. There are far better preachers out there than me. It's not because of my intellectual prowess. I can tell you that right now. There are a lot of people sitting in the pews here that are smarter than me. It's not because of any of that stuff. It's only because of the grace of God that I stand before you and share His Word. It's because of God's grace. Insignificant as I might be in my eyes, and insignificant as I might be in the eyes of the world, I matter to God. I matter to God. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It only matters what God says. I am significant in the eyes of God. Because of His grace that He has bestowed upon me, and because He is always with me, So we can be encouraged by that. Many of us, we, we, we think we're insignificant. We think that, that we're not able to be used by God. But I can assure you that we're all able to be used by God because we've all been blessed with God's grace. And it is His grace, His unmerited favor upon us that gives us the ability to do what we do for Him. It has nothing to do with us. He just wants us to be a willing instrument to be used by him. John 15, 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. So regardless of how we might see ourselves, we are not significant in the eyes of God. And that is all that matters. We are of great value and great worth. For it is in the hope foretold that we find significance. But there's a second point that we see here in the hope foretold. Number two is this. Christ offers hope in the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of uncertainty. I think you would agree with me that we've lived two and a half years of uncertainty. But Christ offers hope in the midst of our Uncertainty. Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And tried to, the angel of the Lord of greeting this might be. You think? The angel of the Lord has appeared to a 15 or 16 year old kid. 
If you're in here and you're 15 or 16 year old, imagine the angel of the Lord appearing to you. Mary's question was not at all nonsensical. It was a, 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 her, her thought process there was not at all uh, to, 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 be, to be looked down upon. All of us would have thought the same thing. She'd been a, visited by a messenger of God. Not only that, but this angel has told her uh, that she is, is favored by God. She is, the Lord is with her. She's wondering first, why in the world am I favored by God? Why me? This will certainly have given her a sense of uncertainty as it would many of us. She's thinking to herself, why in the world has this angel appeared to me? Why in the world has he told me that I'm the favored one? Why in the world is he saying that the Lord is with me? Mary knew. Mary knew that the Messiah would come from a virgin. But can you imagine what her thought process is? Could that virgin be me? Could I be the one to carry the Son of God? Could I be the one to carry the Savior of the world? That is certainly uncertainty. She's thinking to herself, listen, my life is insignificant. She's probably thinking the same thing that you and I would think. Can I be used by God? My life is insignificant. My life is small. How can I be the mother of the one who would come to save the world? We do the exact same thing. Look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. How many times do we read in Scripture when God appears or the angel appears, what does he say? Listen, do not be afraid. You would think, you would think that we would not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. She has nothing to be afraid of. Have found favor with God. The angel assures Mary that she has nothing to be afraid of because she's found favor. That means to find oneself, to obtain, in this case, a general goodwill from God. She had a general goodwill from God. She's found favor with God. Mary had found favor with the Lord. She had received the grace of God. She was not insignificant. Maybe in the, in the eyes of everyone around her, she was. This is basically grace in reference to disposition, attitude toward another, favor, goodwill, or benevolence. God's attitude toward Mary was one of favor. God's attitude toward Mary was one of benevolence. And you know what God's attitude towards us is? One of favor, benevolence, goodwill. God wants to bless us regardless of what we think of ourselves. Mary found favor. With God. You think about this. Think about Mary's thought process at this very moment when she realizes and she understands that I've found favor with God. And he goes on to say in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, He will be great. Be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will have no end. I want to remind you of something. Mary was a virgin. That means that Mary had not been with a man. 
And contrary to popular cultural belief, listen, it takes a man and a woman together to create and conceive a child. Mary had not been with a man. The angel is telling Mary, listen, you're going to conceive a child. And Mary's thinking to herself, wait a minute. I understand the birds and the bees. I understand the process. How in the world can I do that? I'm just a virgin. I've never been with a man. But not only is Mary thinking about her her immediate context, but she's also thinking about the outside world, looking at her, thinking that, oh my goodness, Mary has been Mary has been impregnated. She's not. Oh, Joseph, what's Joseph thinking? That sin there that they that that Mary would have it, it would have been a sin for Mary to 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 have. Uh, had sexual relations outside of marriage. They could be stoned for that. They could die for that. So Mary is thinking to herself, listen, I'm uncertain about this whole thing. I may lose my life over this. How could it be? But not only that. The angel tells her that she's going to conceive. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us. But notice what else this baby is. It says this baby would be named Jesus. That means Jehovah is salvation. His name would be the Son of God. The baby that Mary would conceive. The baby that could cost her her life. Was going to be the Son of God. Not only that, this baby boy would be great. It would be distinguished and eminent. It's true greatness. It speaks of true greatness. Uh, nothing or no one compares to this baby boy. This baby boy would be called the Son of the Most High. This would be the name that would have been given to him. It speaks of equality with God. This would be God's Son. He would bear the qualities of his father. This baby boy was equal with God, but it was not only equal with God, he was God. He was God. Remember this insignificant 15 or 16 year old virgin, betrothed virgin, is hearing this angel speak to her all these great things. She knows the prophecy. She knows the Old Testament. She understands the significance of what's going on. And she's thinking to herself, oh my goodness, can it be me? Can it be me? Can I be used by God to bring forth the Savior of the world? Can I be used by God to go tell my neighbors about Christ? Can I be used by God to start a ministry in the church? Can I be used by God to give money to Lottie Moon so I can support international missions? The list could go on and on and on and on and on. None of us are insignificant in the eyes of God. We all have uncertainties and that's okay. So did Mary. This was the predicted Messiah that was predicted in the Old Testament. This was the Son of God, God of over all, blessed forevermore. Paul writes in chapter 9 of Romans, verse 5, he says this, To them belonged the, the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, talking about Israel, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. 
this baby boy would, would be given to the throne of his father David, equal descendant of David. David's throne is symbolic of the messianic throne as well. The kingdom that would never end, this baby would rule over. See that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. You can look at that, that up later. This baby would also be the Savior of all mankind. Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. For what? He will save his people from their sins. Insignificant Mary. Uncertain about the situation, uncertain about the outcome, uncertain about all these other things, yet able to be used by God to bring about the very one who would save not only the people then of their sins, but also us today as well. The crowd that day was large. The people pressed around Jesus on all sides, pushing and shoving, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, or perhaps to even touch Him. In that crowd that day was a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. She had exalted all means of being healed, including spending her life savings on physicians. But she continued in her illness. No doubt her hope of being healed was quickly fading. No doubt she thought she was insignificant. No doubt she had uncertainties about the the reality of, of living with this disease the rest of her life. Yet, what if she was certain that she would not get to the one, the one, she was also certain that if she was only able to touch the garment of Jesus, maybe, just maybe, she could be healed. This woman certainly had uncertainty. She didn't know whether, one, she could reach Jesus. Two, whether, whether she could even talk to Jesus. She thought, maybe, maybe if I could just touch his garment. Maybe if I could just get close enough to reach out my hand and touch his garment. She was uncertain. Did you remember the story? Immediately upon the touching the garment of Jesus, what? She was healed. She was healed. She was healed. She was uncertain about being healed. She was uncertain about having to live this life with, with this disease the rest of her life. But all she did was, listen, I want to I want to reach out to God. I'm insignificant. Imagine her how insignificant she felt in that massive crowd. That was around Jesus, all pandering for his attention and all, all those other things. And yet she found her way to Christ because why? She knew that Jesus could possibly heal her from her disease. Are you insignificant? Do you feel insignificant this morning? Do you feel insignificant during this Christmas season? You need not be. Why? Because of Jesus. Do you feel uncertain during this season? You feel uncertain during this time that we live in in our culture. You need not be. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. The baby born to an uncertain Mary had healed this woman. Psalm 46, 2 and 3 says this. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, through the mountains uh, be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Our lives 
Our lives may very well be filled with uncertainty. Yet in the midst of that uncertainty, we have a great God with whom we have found favor as the children of God. If you are a child of God, let me assure you, you have found favor with God. God gives His goodwill upon you. Is it difficult? Sure, it's difficult. Don't ever think because you're going through trials and don't ever think because you have uncertainties that God hasn't given His goodwill upon you, that God hasn't put His favor upon you. For it is in the hope foretold that we can face uncertainty. There's one final thing this morning I want us to see. We've seen Christ. He offers hope to those who are insignificant. He offers hope in the midst of uncertainty. But there's a third thing. Christ offers hope in what seems impossible. What seems impossible. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Again, Mary's uncertainty. Again, a natural question from Mary. So you might be asking yourself, Well, wait a minute. Zacchaeus had the same question. Zechariah had the same question. When asked, when told that, that he would, his wife would give birth, that his barren wife would give birth, he had the same question. Not that I'm a virgin, but she's barren. How will this be? How could this happen? But Zechariah's question was one of wishful thinking. Mary's was one of confident expectation. There's the difference. She makes it clear here that she understood her current situation. She understood her current condition. She understood, again, how how babies were conceived. She understood the process of conception. She understood that it took a man and a woman. Yet Mary had not been with a man, nor did she intend to be with a man until her and Joseph were officially married. But the reality of this whole thing is that God had other plans. Look at verse 35 and 36. He said, And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child of God will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who will be, who was called barren. Mary's conception. It was a supernatural conception. The birth of Jesus was a natural birth. The birth of Jesus was was just like the birth of, of me and you. His birth was natural. However, his conception was supernatural. It was a supernatural conception. The angel says this, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary. That means the Holy Spirit would descend upon Mary. The power of the Most High, God the Father, will overshadow Mary. Overshadow there, it means to throw a shadow upon, to envelop in a shadow. The picture here is the Holy Spirit exerting creative energy upon the womb of Mary, the Virgin Mary, and impregnating her womb. We see a symbol of this in the Old Testament. It's the idea of the cloud as it it symbolizes the immediate presence and power of, of God. The cloud that overshadowed the mountain as Moses was on top of the mountain. It, it represented the presence and the power of God. And that's what the, the, the angel was telling Mary. Listen, the Holy Spirit would overshadow you. The power and the presence of God would come upon you. Now don't get caught up in this. Don't get caught up in, in thinking that the, the, the illegitimate parts of these. There's lots of illegitimate views about this passage. In fact, the Muslim view 
of this passage suggests that this passage refers to God himself physically impregnating Mary. God himself did not physically impregnate Mary. God is spirit. Doesn't mean that. It's not what the passage suggests. Let me explain it this way. Come upon, it brings to mind Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, where the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep in creation. It's what Jesus is quoted as saying in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. As he was coming into the world, he said, You did not desire sacrifices and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. So by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God the Father, a body was prepared for God the Son, who would be brought forth by Mary. Listen, I don't know how it happened, church. I don't know how it happened, but all I know is that by the power of God, working through the Holy Spirit, Mary became pregnant. Mary became pregnant. Therefore, because she became pregnant this way, because it was from the being high that it overshadowed her, the holiness of Christ, it derives from his being conceived by the Spirit of God. It says that, that, that the child born to you will be called holy, be called the Son of God. You notice what we see in this passage? You may have overlooked this. You may not even ever thought about it. We see a picture of the Trinity in this passage. see a picture of the Trinity. We see the humanity of Christ and the divinity of Jesus as well. Notice the Trinity. We see, who do we see in here? We see the Son of God. We know that, Jesus. We see the Holy Spirit. We know that. We have this Holy Spirit would, would, would come upon Mary. The power of the Most High. The Most High is God the Father. Although we don't see the word Trinity in Scripture, it's all over Scripture. We see it all over Scripture. They're all three God, but they all have different roles to play. And we see those roles right here in this passage. The one who created the womb is the one who caused Mary to be with child. Why in the world do we think that's even, why is that such a big deal? He created it. He can do what he wants to. He created the universe. God can do what he wants to. Verse 37, it says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. That word for nothing, that phrase for nothing, it literally means no word. So for a literal translation, we say, For no word of God shall be powerless. What does that mean? That means if God says it, then it will happen. If God says it, it will will happen. God spoke the world into existence. Think about that. Go back to Genesis. God spoke just His words alone. So this this supernatural conception, this opening of the womb of a previously barren woman shouldn't be a problem with Almighty God. God could do it. He said He can do it and He'll do it. If God can speak just the words of His mouth, if He can speak creation into existence, why in the world can't God conceive a baby in the, in the womb of this woman that He created to begin with? If God could speak this world into existence, then why in the world can God not use me as this insignificant vessel to change the world? 
He used 12 guys to change the world. Why can't he use? For with him, nothing is impossible. One commentator says it this way. He says, the moment you admit the existence of God, and I imagine everybody in this room admits the existence of God, you must deny the impossible. You must deny the impossible. With God, it's nothing that a barren woman and a virgin would be both would, would both conceive. In fact, that is just like God. That is just like God. Genesis 18, 13 through 14. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I send it. Just this past weekend, uh, when we were in Kentucky, there was a, a team that, that was pretty uh, prominent on the football field, Belfry Pirates. This past Sunday or this past weekend, they won the, uh, the championship, the state football championship. And it was really an interesting story because they started out 0-5. They started out 0-5. And that's really interesting because they're a really good team. But they had a lot of issues. They had all the COVID problems and all those other things. But it's not that that was so significant to me when I read about the article. It was a quote from the coach after the game. Coach Hayward, he said this. The most impossible odds listen now the most impossible Allah odds allow for the most amazing miracles that's a pretty profound statement pretty profound statement now he's i don't know what his 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 uh his religious background i don't know anything about that but it, it solely applies uh today the most impossible odds allow for the most amazing miracles these odds were impossible. The odds of Mary conceiving without the help of a, uh, a male, if you will, would seem impossible. But we have a God, and with Him, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Zechariah 4 6, then He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The supernatural conception of Christ is a mystery. We must accept it as a mystery. It's okay to accept it as a mystery. It's okay not to understand it, but we have to accept it. We have to accept it as something that can only be done by the power of God, the Most High God, the one who can do the impossible. So for it is the hope foretold, Jesus himself, that we need not fear the impossible. So as we close, 
hope would come in the form of a baby boy born to a virgin named Mary. This was all brought about by by the divine word of God. So for those of us today, Jesus offers hope not only to the insignificant, but to all mankind. Jesus offers hope in the midst of uncertainty. I don't know what your uncertainties are this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with, but Jesus offers hope. Jesus trying to overcome. Maybe it's a, a disease that you're trying to overcome or your family members overcome. But I, can, can I tell you this? It's impossible. It's impossible for someone to go from death to life. You know, the only thing a, a dead person does is stink. They don't live anymore. They don't breathe anymore. But can I tell you this? Only through Jesus Christ can that dead life be made alive again. Made alive again. He's hope in the impossible. The question is, how will you and I respond to the hope offered by Jesus? Well, notice how Mary responded. And Mary said, Behold, 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 I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What faith, church, what courage. It's ba- she's basically saying, listen, whatever it be, it be. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. I know that I'm just an insif- insignificant player in this. I'm uncertain about all this. But I know, Lord, that you can overcome the impossible and I'm going to be your willing servant. Use me as you see fit. Is that us today? Is that us today? Mary was insignificant in the eyes of the world. She had uncertainty about the things of God. She had uncertainty about the angels, the words. She thought what was going to happen to her was would be impossible. But regardless of all those things, she gave it all to the Lord and said, Lord, I just want to be your servant. Whatever happens, happens. So be it. It's like Jesus said on the cross. He says, not my will, Lord, but yours. Are we willing to say that this morning? Do we have the same faith that Mary had? Do we have that confident expectation? Do we have the same hope? I wonder this morning, are you feeling insignificant? Cry out to Jesus. Are you feeling uncertain? Cry out to Jesus. Are you living in things that might seem impossible on the outside? Let me encourage you to cry out to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this hope that was foretold so many years ago. But we thank you for what this hope offers. It offers the insignificant, the opportunity to be significant, not in the eyes of the world, uncertain about all, but in your eyes, Lord. It offers those of us who are uncertain about all the things of life, uncertain about all the things that we deal with, to be certain because of the promises that you have made. Lord, and it offers us the opportunity to overcome what might seem impossible. Father, what a hope. What a hope that was foretold so many years ago, Father, and we can rest in that hope today. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us 
and put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord so that we too can have the hope that he offers. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.